Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Today's episode is going to be so great. I have Pastor Brandon from Zeal Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado on. He's a church planner. He's a, an incredible preacher, incredible husband. It was so much fun getting to chat with him about prayer and the impact of his journey being in the church and being just an incredible dude. So if you can, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. It's going to be so much fun jumping in with him. Two things that I always like to highlight. Number one, if you need to find a local church in the show notes, there'll be a form that you can fill out and in real time get connected to a local church around you to be from crossover. And the other thing, if you're looking for resources, maybe you're a church leader looking to up your game with hosting preachers or becoming a coach or whatever, I'll have some resources below with my friend Sweb. Sweb's an incredible leader. He's Again, he's been on the podcast multiple times. I would highly recommend him for anybody looking to upgrade their church and their personal leadership. So fill out those forms, get connected to a church, have Sweb come in, incredible leader, help you think differently. Those two things are super important. So let's jump into the podcast today. Thanks again. Tell, tell me a little bit about yourself, I guess, because I'm intrigued just of your your journey and jumping into like, did you grow up in the church? Did you not kind of the whole the whole story? Yeah, yeah, man. So I am. I grew up in church my whole life. I'm actually from Southwest Louisiana, so a town called Lake Charles. Grew up in grew up in church. My dad was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. My mom was a Sunday school teacher, Bible teacher, prayer leader, youth leader essentially like all throughout my formative years. And so that's where my journey kind of started. Southwest Louisiana, graduated high school, went to a public university in Northern Louisiana and just had a, such an incredible like spiritual community, faith community through a campus ministry there that's actually sponsored through the Wesley or through the United Methodist Church called the Wesley Foundation. And by that point in high school or prior to that in high school, got really serious about my relationship with God. So whenever I went to high, whenever I went from high school to college, found this intense faith community, lots of accountability, guys who were running hard after God too. So those four years in college was so, I mean, it was so monumental in my spiritual growth because I'm a couple hours away from home, making all my decisions. And so still had a high, high value and a priority for the local church. So every Sunday, no matter what was going on on the weekends, like mm -hmm. me and my friends were just at church, second row, serving, help, you know, get there early, kind of stay late. So that's just my culture. And so after college, graduated with a bachelor of business degree, bachelor of science in business, and went to this program called YWAM, Youth yeah. with a Mission. It's the largest interdenominational short-term missions movement in the whole world. I read a little bit about it my senior year. The, the church that I started going to in college, the pastors were from India. They were heavily missions focused. So that's who really discipled me through my college years and uh, had told me about YWAM, given me a prophetic word that God had called me to the nation. And so that's what kind of like connected the dots. I ended up at YWAM, one of their many bases, went to the one in East Texas, in Tyler, Texas, one of the most intense, different, life-giving discipleship kind of environments, five months on this base, you know, it felt like a compound, right. couldn't work. Like it was all spiritual growth. Spent a month in India, Calcutta, India for 30 days, serving at Mother Teresa's ministry. Then a month kind of like all over the United States doing outreaches and all of that. 
And it just marked me. Like that was a very formative time as a 22 year old. And it was while I was in India, God spoke to me about my next steps. I was supposed to move back home to my hometown and just serve in my local church. So I just got a job at a local hotel because that was the one job that I could like work shift work through the night or sometimes the morning so I could volunteer in the youth ministry because that's where my pastor said the greatest need was. So I had no aspirations to do youth ministry, be a pastor, none of that. So I started serving and then looked up 13 years later, I had been in full-time vocational youth ministry, 13 years. And the latter part of those, you know, the latter part of those years, my wife and I, we moved up to Colorado, which is where we live now to work at a large church here in the city that I was at for five years. So that was kind of the journey of youth, young adult ministry, internships, traveling, preaching, all was kind of like a launching pad out of student ministry, man. That's incredible. I, that's what sure, I yeah. love about this. That's what I love about this is every single conversation I have, I've yet to hear a story where it's like even close to the same. <laughs> Everything is so different and so much fun. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, tell me a little bit about that, like the prompting to go to YWAM. So I'm friends with a lot of the YWAM, YWAM people. I did not. Okay. Go to, I went to business school like you did and I went to okay. college, so not through the YWAM stuff. But what did you learn in that journey? Like, obviously, that journey of that. And then what did you learn in India? Because I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself, your insecurities, oh, yeah. insecurities, how to share the gospel in practical ways. Like, what did you learn in that season of your life? Absolutely. So it was my, I remember it was my senior year of college, graduating with a business degree. It was like, man, there are a myriad of opportunities. and wasn't sure about, you know, call, I knew I was like, man, I got this calling in my life. I didn't really know. Like so many 20 somethings are like, yeah, I'm called. And it's like, to what? Like, I don't know. Right. And really it was my pastor who it really helped to kind of guide me like, hey, Brady, I really feel like there's some kind of ministry calling, whatever. I remember my final semester in college, my senior year, second semester, going on an extended fast. And I remember during, while I was on this extended fast, I read this book by the, the founder of YWAM, Lauren Cunningham, called Is That Really You, God? One of the many signatures of YWAM is just, just this emphasis on, number one, God speaks. He's still speaking today, and you are equipped, and you are actually made to hear God's voice, to know God, to make him known. But a lot of that starts with hearing God's voice. I was on this fast, and one of these mornings I was praying, and I kid you not, I felt like I, I was reading, like, specifically Lauren Cunningham's vision about what led him to start YWAM was like, you know, seeing these ocean waves hit the various shores of, 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 of countries and continents all across the world and seeing those ocean waves, once they hit the shore, turn into young people. And they started kind of running like all throughout, you know, all throughout these nations of the world. And I was just, I was meditating on that one day and I just felt like God spoke to me so clearly, like Brandon, this is your next step. It's like I heard seagulls as I was thinking about the ocean, like it was the craziest thing. But for me, it was like, that was the confirmation I needed. Like, almost audibly, it wasn't audibly, it was like hearing these seagulls, like seeing this kind of vision that he was describing. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to go to YWAM. And sure enough, God confirmed it. So that's what brought me there. Three months, intense discipleship, prayer. That's really where, it, like in a real significant way, my heart for prayer was cultivated because there's this prayer chapel that's located on that base and I spent so many hours there, man. Like, praying for my purpose, praying for the nations, praying for my future wife, all of that stuff. And then being launched out to India. It was my first time out of the country outside of a cruise. So, I mean, I'm talking full, like 
baptism by fire. This is Mother Teresa's ministry. She would say, this is the poorest of the world's poor resides in Calcutta, India. I remember stepping off the plane, the intense spiritual sort of environment and atmosphere I had never personally witnessed before. Day one, whenever we landed, we go to this major Hindu temple, see this woman slithering like a snake up and down. The, and I'm like, oh, we're in a whole, we're on a movie shoot. No, but, and I'd grown up like around charismatic things, deliverance, demons right. being kind of all that, but there was nothing to that level that personally kind of seen with my own eyes, man. So those 30 days were so intense. Mm-hmm. Prayer, serving, you couldn't really proselytize at that time in, in, in Calcutta. I don't know if it's changed, but then this is around 2006. And mm-hmm. so the missionaries there told us the, the greatest blessing we could be was prayer walking around that area. Like they noticed a tangible shift after groups of missionaries came in and prayed over that environment. Like even whenever they left, different breakthroughs, significant spiritual progress that was made. So it marked me, man, like Calcutta, India marked me mostly in the power of prayer, like yeah. the, the power in, in our prayer lives, right? I love that so much. I mean, two things with that. Number one, how, like a lot of this audience is younger people yep. in ministry. I don't like to say like the next generation because I think they're leading mm-hmm. like today. Yeah. But it's like a 20 to 25 year olds who are excited about being in ministry are in ministry. How important do you think exposure is? And then on the other yeah. side of it, what can they do today to increase their prayer life? Because obviously that's a priority. We hear that on Sundays. We hear that in leadership sessions, sure. at an art conference, but it's like, cool. How do I, how do I increase my, my level of prayer? Yeah, I, I think so. Number one, I would say in terms of being exposed to, you know, to various things as they're discerning, their calling, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think whenever you have a heart and a willingness, whenever you go before Jesus and it's like, Lord, I'm just honored to do anything, like anything you would allow me to do, especially, but you know, not limited to the area of my natural gifting. Lord, I am willing. You're looking at a vessel that is available, available, like uh, you are the potter, I am the clay. So starting with that posture, number one, but then number two, specifically growth in prayer. Well, I think step one in growing in prayer practically is You've got to remember this. We do what we do because we believe what we believe and don't do what we don't do because at the core of us, we believe what we believe. So there's, where's one of my, one of my all-time favorite quotes is that prayer that all God does, believe is John Wesley, all that God does is answer believing prayer. All that God does in the earth is a response to believing prayer. And I think we can back that up by scripture theologically. If I believe that, I'll pray with a little bit more fervency. I'll pray with a little bit more intentionality. And even believing things like even my weak prayers have an impact on my world. You can make a decision. I do believe at the core, beliefs are a choice. You can choose to believe those two realities. Then there's something significant in your heart that will shift concerning prayer. My weak prayers matter. And all that God does is answer believing prayer. And I'll pray with a lot more intentionality. So even on a practical level, getting around, I think that's step three or step two, specifically whenever it relates to growing in prayer, you've got to get around people who pray. I know how to pray today and I'm no prayer guru, no prayer expert, but, but, but I will say there's a confidence that comes like 
I don't just pray whenever things are going wrong in my, in my world. I don't just pray in the, the valley season. I also pray on the mountaintop because I was exposed. I was discipled. I was mentored. I intentionally sought out relationship with people who have vibrant prayer lives. And there's something about the language of prayer. How do we strengthen that in our hearts and lives? Getting around people who pray. So like our church now, we have a, a pretty significant, a pretty heavy prayer culture, but that's because I lead prayer meetings. Like every Tuesday right. morning, myself, our staff, different people in our church, every Tuesday morning, 6.33 a.m. over Zoom, we're praying against hundreds of people with their families. Once a month, we have this big encounter night. That's all we can do because of our logistical situation because we're a church plant, blah, blah, blah. But we haven't made excuses to say we're going to be weak in prayer because it's hard or it's a logistical challenge. No way. Like our church was founded mostly in prayer meetings. It was launched. So I think, yeah. So I think believing those two realities, getting around people who pray and exposing yourself to their prayer lives, man. Like I, I think yeah. those are practical things you can do to up the prayer game in your life. It was so helpful. I remember, I mean, I'm, I've continued to reread Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, like on a yearly. Come on, Jim Cimbala, classic. Because it convicts me on how much I don't pray. And yeah. even like in yeah. the church, like that is their measurement of wins, their church, their church prayer meetings, not Sunday services, yeah. not attendance, not leadership growth. It's literally yeah. who's showing up to prayer meetings. And it, like sure. you said, if we actually believe prayer changes things, prayer moves, like we think we yeah. attend it a little bit differently. So I always, I always ask this, no matter who's on, I love learning about your just like schedule, maybe your like seven mm -hmm. days, like your routine. Maybe it looks the same every day. Maybe it looks different on yeah. Sundays, obviously with church. Like talk to me a little bit about your routine. It's different. Obviously you have a child and a wife. Understand that. So yeah. would love to hear about that. Yeah, Josh, I think that's a great question. So I don't have a child. I have many children. It's four. Four feels like 10. Wow. Uh, and so our youngest being like about 15 months, the oldest is basically 10 years old. So 10 down to 15 months. And so, yeah, schedules look different in, in various seasons of our lives. Overall, for me, my work week is basically Tuesday through Tuesday through Friday. And then, of course, on Sundays, my weekly pattern is I have a weekly Sabbath that starts essentially Sunday evening around 5 p.m. and then ends Monday evening around 5 p.m. That's something that I've really implemented and really started taking seriously and honoring probably over the last eight to nine months. My wife just kind of pulled me aside about two months ago and it was like, Hey, I'm so proud of you. Like she knows me. We've been married for 13 years and she saw me in college. I would just go from meeting to meeting. I was in a fraternity. I was student leadership, student government, you know, all the things are, are volunteer, mm -hmm. not student government, but homecoming, all of that stuff. And so my life has always been like, all right, planner, calendar, go, go, go. And right. so she just pulled me aside and was like, man, I'm so proud of you. Like Brandon for really honoring the Sabbath. Like I've seen you intentionally slow down because I'm wired to just run. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, schedule wise, honoring the Sabbath, building everything around that. So for, for me in this season, and it's just kind of works for mine to be on Mondays. So Tuesdays, I try to do, so we fast once a week. So Tuesday's my fast day. So I try to spend a little bit of extra time in prayer in the mornings. And then especially over the noon kind of hour, extra time in, in prayer, kind of starting, you know, I, I preach almost on a weekly level or on a weekly rotation at our church. So kind of sermons, sermon prep, kind of starting to just kind of interact with whatever the text is based on the series that we're in. 
I do a lot of leadership meetings on those days as well with our staff, our staff meetings on that day. And then Wednesday, whenever I'm in a good rhythm, I try to pick at least one day, either every week or every couple of weeks, where I kind of spend some extended time in prayer. There's, you know, there's a, there's a prayer room and, and a prayer ministry here in town where I can easily go just kind of turn off my phone, engage with God in a real significant way. But then also Wednesdays is also a day kind of like reflecting on wins, what, what's going well. Wednesday is also a growth day. Like how do I grow in my own leadership? So I'll oftentimes have coaching calls where people are coaching me on Wednesdays. Thursday is the bulk of my like ministry, prep, prayer, creativity, those kind of things, planning things for the weekend. And then Friday is just however many hours I need left on my message prep. But I'll do, I mean, and those are kind of the big places. Every week, there's space that I allow. Like a big thing for me right now is just leaving margin for the unknown, the pastoral counseling things that come up, things with my staff, family, things that just kind of come up. So just kind of programming those like bulk things or some bulk hours throughout my week is really helpful too. And then Saturday's pretty much off and, you know, grind of Sundays. So, yeah. Good old Sundays. What, I, what I'm hearing you say now, I, I would assume it's changed, but you, you've gotten really good at recharging, mm-hmm. uh, obviously a, a lifestyle of prayer, but knowing yourself enough that when you need to remove yourself, when you need to go pray, like how, what took you to get to that place? Like what season of life, maybe what area of ministry forced you into a place of like, I need to set boundaries. Like you said, Sabbath, prayer, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was probably midway through the years of youth ministry, realizing that the, so there's a difference between influence and anointing or authority, I would mm-hmm. say. And so I think in a culture that is obsessed with influence and platform, none of those things are wrong. But as I look at the life of Jesus, it seems like he cared more about authority than he did influence. And I think we have it back, especially young leaders, next gen leaders, whatever title you want to assign. And so after 14 years, youth, young adult ministry, full-time, 13, full-time, you know, another couple of years, just traveling, speaking to youth pastors, conferences, all of that. I am, I feel like I just have kind of like the side mission of really encouraging next gen young leaders. Like if you're going to go after, like go after them both, whatever, but if you have to disproportionately go after one or the other, go after authority in the spirit. And what I came to learn was that spiritual authority is very much so linked, right? To, to my prayer life. It's I'm only as authority, like I can be charismatic and talented and make people laugh and do all of those things. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, there's no spiritual power. There's no manifestation of the spirit's power. Like Paul talked about, I didn't come to you with crafty and wise words that, that were based on the cunning ability of men, but I came to you with acts and demonstrations of the spirit's power. So preaching, but also, man, God do something supernatural in our midst that a generation would know you're still on the throne and you love them. I think it was a switch for me a couple of years into youth ministry, realizing, oh yeah, those two are linked. And so then what then began, then what started happening was, oh, this joy that I find in talking to God in a real intentional way and creating that space. Like God comes to where he is invited and wanted. 
And so if you don't have margin for him, he get, you can ask God to speak all, the, all, you know, all you want, but if you're not creating margin in the place of prayer, then those are wasted requests. Those are wishes. Those are, you know, that's not a vision. That's a wish, right? Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so credible. I remember we had our, at my wife's and I's last church, we just moved five months ago to California, but he okay. was super, I mean, he's in his sixties, been like a prayer warrior for like 40 years and would always say, you don't just show up to the doctor and hope you get an appointment. You kind of need to set an appointment to be able to go yes. in and access the doctor. And it, it always yeah. got to me with prayer. It was like, we need to set an appointment with God. Like he, he will show totally. up if we set an appointment. So I love that so much. Yep. That, I mean, like you mentioned church planning and we, I said before we started recording, I love learning about church planning. I love the idea of it. Okay. I love church planners, all of it. Talk to me about that journey of feeling like, man, I feel like God's telling us to plant a church because that you got to hear from God, obviously. Oh yeah. You want to, some people, right. you know, there's the, there's a the funny, just preacher joke, like some people went and then others were sent and right. uh, you want, you want to be sent by the spirit of God and other human beings, other pastors, apostolic leaders, spiritual leaders, voices, whatever. So for us, our journey was such that I, I mentioned we had left Louisiana back in 2011 to move mm-hmm. to Colorado Springs, worked at a large church here for about five years, led a national youth conference internship with about a hundred students, mobilizing them mostly in the place of prayer. It was a real prayer internship that happened to do other ministry, but prayer was at the core of it. 21 days of prayer, all night prayer, seven days of fasting. I mean, it's just perpetual hours of prayer every week. And then and at the end of 2016, we transitioned off staff. We moved away to Arizona for two years. And then at the end of those two years, we felt very much so called to come back to Colorado Springs. We moved back to Colorado Springs in January, January of 2019. We were just going to like find a church to go to while I was in full-time travel ministry. That's whenever I started just full-time itinerant ministry, January, 2019. But as we met people, it was like, hey, what church do you go to? Because for the first time in my life, I worked, you know, for churches for five, 10, 12 years. I could just pick a you know a church for my family to go to. We would just serve because I was in full-time travel. And the more conversations we had, the more it was kind of like this, we go here. Like there was no excitement. There was no spiritual fervor. There was like, hey, you got to come. Like this is what God's doing. And so it was actually a quite a discouraging season for us. But we're local church people. So we right. just found a church that our kids enjoyed mostly. And we just went, we just grinded it out. Well, fast forward, long story short, after being back for several months, I was on an extended fast and God really spoke to me like, hey, there's this discontentment essentially because the church that you're looking for is actually on the inside of you and your wife and you're never going to be sad. So damn, anything to do with all the other churches, it was, oh, this is something internally because right. God, God's called us plant. So we, 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 we started the journey, man. I had, felt like I had this significant vision while I was on extended 40 day fast here in Colorado Springs that, that essentially God was saying there's, you know, revival is, is in the soil of Colorado Springs. There's been so much spiritual activity and spiritual movements and major churches and ministries here in Colorado Springs. And we felt like we were supposed to play in a church that was integral to seeing that come to pass a real significant move of God. So I called my pastors immediately, two spiritual fathers in my life. Both of them confirmed it along with their wives and with my wife. And we started the journey with the Association of Related Churches to plant. The name came from this idea 
Psalm 69, 9. And then Jesus, I mean, it's quoted in the gospels as well. Zeal for God's house has consumed me. And it's exactly what we felt like the missing piece that we were supposed to add to Colorado Springs. A lot of great churches, not a lot of great people who are excited about their churches. Not a lot of great people, not a lot of people who place a value on the gathering of the saints, like going to the house of God. And, you know, and, and so we, we announced we were launching church in January, 2019, January, 2020, we have our first, in, we announced it March, the first week of March, the first week of March, 2020, we have our first interest party. Over a hundred people show up. We are so excited. We're jazzed. We have our next one planned for two weeks later. And as you know, the whole globe, March, 2020 was really the moment when we realized COVID was a thing. Right. And so that was, that was fun launching and building a launch team and recruiting people all through COVID. And then our church launched September, 2020. So all through those months, we're like Zoom calls, one-on-ones, like phone calls, FaceTimes, recruiting people, sticking people in our basement with the windows open and <laughs> gathering people, you know, public places, whatever, masks on, all of that, building a launch team of about 175 people through COVID. And then we launched September 2020. Almost 900 people show up, 783 people stay. And wow. it was just this miracle moment, like masks, four services we had planned for two. We end up doing two simultaneous services outside of the school that we had launched in because so many people show. I literally stood on a chair and preached like 17 people got saved that day. It was crazy. So that's kind of like our, our church launch story, man, right in the middle of like pandemic, the political election, George Floyd, protests, all of that. People from every race, every ethnic background, every space of our city showed up. And it's just kind of been this miracle, man. There was so much prayer, going back to prayer. I mean, we prayer walked the city. We prayer walked in the middle of protests. We, I mean, it was, it's, it's crazy. So, so yeah, that's kind of our church planting journey. Yeah, that, I mean, what's, what's fun to hear stories about church planting. So my, my wife and I were a part of a church plant in Omaha, like you said, in 2020. Okay. So we, we planted from a church. It was still... The, the same church, just different campus, but we didn't take a team from that campus. We started all new, similar to okay. you. We launched the an actual service five weeks later was when the whole country shut down. So right, and empathize and understand with you with fun of 2020. But I also go back, and I don't know about you, and I'd love to hear your insight. I can go back now into those 2020 moments and thank God for how beautiful the church was in those moments all the moments we got to have and conversations we get to have over dinner or over zoom and sure. all of, all of the, the protests talking about certain things and literally living in a downtown city where it was happening, like on the next to my window and yeah. thinking about how beautiful that was because of the unifying spirit that the church had, the pastors had. So I don't know, maybe you think the same or the exact opposite. We were like, I hated, <laughs> hated every second of it. I'm out. Don't want any of it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, those are some really interesting times, you know, for me. I think I had a little bit different of experience just as an African-American pastor who had worked largely in white evangelical spaces. So actually, yeah. that was quite, I saw probably from a different perspective or I experienced something very different where I was walking through extremely difficult conversations with pastors, with church leaders, evangelists, youth pastors I know for years and years. And having these major, seeing things from two completely different perspectives, like mm -hmm. being a part of the same churches, same circles, same movements, 
but having two totally different realities, if you will. And, and, and I will say, I think that God used that time, even for me to kind of solidify who I am, my identity in Christ. But also I feel like God really gave me a platform in that season because of the diverse context that I had worked in really all of my vocational ministry career. I've always been the minority. So, so there were things that were, I think, exposed and opportunities that were given in 2020 and some opportunities that were lost, to be clear, because I really felt like God had given me clarity. And in some of those circles, it was very uncomfortable. It was very difficult to hear. But I do, to your point, there were some major relationships where there was a greater unity, a greater humility. And there were some who was like, gosh, it took, it took a couple of years to really mend some of those things and apologies and repentance and all of that to, to really get to a place of unity. And so I remember, you know, I got some backlash for being in the middle of a protest on Pentecost Sunday. Was, I remember being Pentecost Sunday, 2020, and no churches were meeting because it was the height of COVID. It was before our church launched. I just remember the night before the Lord really speaking to me, like, Brandon, where do you think I would be on a Sunday morning on Pentecost? Do you think I would be at home watching some online experience of somewhere? Or do you think I'd be with the people? And I was like, Lord, like with the people. I remember the Spirit of the Lord just led me, a couple of guys from my church. We went right in the heart of a protest that was taking place downtown. I asked them to give me the mic, this member of the LGBTQ community. And I was like, hey, I'm a pastor. It's Sunday morning. I just feel like I should say something. And she's like, sure thing, Pastor. You know, this moment gives me got her LGBTQ flag, everything, but gives me the microphone. I just start singing a Negro spiritual, an old hymn that was, you know, sang for years and years. Then I start praying, just asking for God to reveal Jesus, asking for, you know, justice to roll like rivers, you know, the scriptures, asking, you know, praying for, you know, some of the social crises that were taking place with, you know, the murder of unarmed you know, African-American men across the country, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sharing like, hey, we're planting a church that's, that's gonna, it's gospel center, but we're gonna love everybody. And there are people in our church today who showed up on launch day, September, 2020, are still wow. part of our church, you know? But at the same time, I remember being canceled from a very large youth conference because I was there. So it's a oh. season, so it was d- tough, but wouldn't trade it for anything, man. God was so glorified to your point. God really used, I believe people who were willing vessels like Jesus used me, shatter whatever parts of my worldview that don't align with scripture. And I did see a real significant shift in that, even in my own heart. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, I think, so I forgot, I think it was George Floyd got murdered. Two weeks later, there was a, a black male who got murdered by a white man two blocks away from our apartment in Omaha. And I mean, it was, oh, national, geez. It was national news, like it was recorded, all that. And uh-huh. As a white male, having no idea what to do, I all our church could do was just listen. And again, it's like you say one thing, you get canceled on one side. You say the other thing, you get canceled on the other side. And it's like, I'm so, going to get canceled regardless. So I might as well just be with right. people. So might think, as well. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. I think it's super bold, obviously, to just feel the, feel the faith to communicate in a public space like that. But also on the other side of it, like, I followed you for years and I, I'm encouraged by you, your your faith. Even this call has been fun. I can tell you said joy <laughs> and zeal. I, w- I would venture to say if I went to a service or a staff gathering or whatever, that's probably the life of your church because it's in you and I'm sure it's in your wife. Yeah, so, man. Thanks for yeah. being on. Seriously, it's been so much fun. 
Is there anything Appreciate like it, Josh. La- two things? Last, maybe a last word for the young leader. Something that yeah. you said that we didn't really go into that I, I love talking about is the authority side of it versus like, I want clout and I want to preach at every church versus like, dude, let's have some density, yeah. windier words, that side. And the other side, like, how do we reach out to you? Maybe I live in Colorado Springs and I'm like, I yeah, want to come to your church. Like, how do, how do we find sure. you? Sure. Yeah. So answering both of those, I think you know, one thing I would encourage just having worked with and really mentored and raised up so many 20 something leaders who are now pastors or ministry leaders or whatever in the local church. And even those who are just living on mission in whatever sphere of influence God has called them to, I would say there's just this, there's just this consistent thing I see in scripture where, I mean, starting really, Jesus is always our example, Philippians, you know, to he being in the form of God did not consider that to be something to be grasped, but made himself a servant, took on the, took on the, human form himself a servant that's the same as version of slave so we take the form of a slave and serves all and see you know if i would encourage any young leader to just make sure like the posture of your heart always remains with this sense of wonder i remember praying this prayer in my early 20s through my mid-20s like lord man never lose this sense of like wonder and awe number one at who you are then number two that you would allow me to do anything in the local church and whatever it is, I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. I would say faithfulness is one of the most just underappreciated, like one of those hidden things that, that oftentimes we don't take a minute to really encourage because we like to tell all of our victorious stories. But the, the faithfulness, like me preaching to my youth group of, you know, 50 to 70 people, you know, in, that, in those first couple of years, but giving it everything I had. Like I remember I was, stories, like mental movies, praying as if Jesus were going to return tomorrow, praying for young people to get saved in my youth group back in Louisiana. And I remember like just standing on chairs, nobody in the room, God, I know I'm going to preach to thousands one day. So God anoint me to preach to this group of these group, this group of teenagers right now, you know, just that Mm -hmm. faithfulness. And then secondly, ways to engage so fun, Zeal Church CO. So if you Google Zeal Church, I think we're one of two in the nation. The other one's in Nashville. Shout out to, to Zeal Church in Nashville. Shout out to them for not capturing zealchurch.com. Come on, somebody. That was a real miracle. They're zealchurch.tv. They've been around longer than us, but Zeal Church, it's the only one in Colorado. And then on social media is kind of the best way to connect and engage with us. Sunday morning services, three every Sunday. And yeah, it's exciting, bro. Let's go. Well, I'm going to be in Hot Wait. Where is Colorado Springs compared to Boulder Denver? slash oh. Windsor? Are they okay? So Boulder, to- yeah, Boulder's a couple hours away. Boulder's about I think about two and a half hours or so away. Colorado mm-hmm. Springs is just an hour south of Denver, oh, so you're probably okay. flying into Denver, then yep. you'll drive into the mountains. But if you fly in or out of Denver, we're just an hour drive south of Denver. We're the real hidden gem of Colorado. You- we like to keep it that way. Everybody talks about Denver Springs is where is it? You guys live in the most beautiful place on the planet. It's like frustrating. Tell it. But come on, tell the truth or shame the devil. It's beautiful. Well, thanks for <laughs> being on. Seriously, so much fun. No problem at all. So fun, Josh. Have a great day, man. Boom. We did it. Thanks. Thanks.